Hello, welcome back to the podcast. This is your host, Daniel V. Esquivel. Please, excuse the fact that this episode is so past due. I'm back at college now, and I forgot how much life you have to sacrifice in order to just survive midterms. But I'm here now with an incredible guest I'm excited to share with you. And, like always, I'll let her introduce herself. Hi, I'm Sandra Marquez. I am an actor and sometimes a director. I'm originally from Fresno, California, and I've been in Chicago since 1995. I've been a longtime company member of Teatro Vista. I joined in 1997, and I became the associate artistic director of that company in 1998. Um, and I did that until 2006. I have been on faculty at Northwestern University where I teach acting and voice, and I've been there since 1995. I went full-time in 19... I don't know, seven years ago. Do the math. (laughs) 2010. And I'm also an ensemble member of Steppenwolf Theatre Company. I won't get in the way here, because Sandra has some really fantastic things to say about her experience as a working theatre artist. And she also has some really powerful and poignant advice to give to artists, no matter what their discipline is. So, without further ado, this is Pajaritos, a Chicago Latinx theater podcast. First things first, congratulations on Fade. It's going to be opening pretty soon when we release this podcast. Yeah, I'm really excited to be doing it, and I'm really excited about the cast. It's great to have Eddie Martinez and Sari Sanchez, and to be doing it as a Victory Gardens and and Teatrista Copra. I think that's our first one, so we're excited about that. That's amazing. Yeah. Great. So let's begin at the beginning. Sure. What was the first theatrical production you ever saw? I remember in, like, fifth grade or fourth grade summer school. And that was back in the days when everybody went to summer school because you would get bored. It wasn't like like remedial stuff. But I remember they took us to see a play at another elementary school. I don't know what the play was. I don't remember that. But I remember the lead was this very, very cute blonde boy with big <laughs> brown eyes. And I remember thinking, this looks like a lot of fun. And then when I was in maybe seventh grade, my aunt took me to see, I don't know what it was, The Wiz maybe, I'm not sure, it was a touring company, and um, I already had an interest, but when I saw that, I was like, yeah, this is, this is what I really want to do. But my first show was in second grade, and I played the wall in the story of the city mouse and the country mouse. And I remember very clearly wearing my little wall. I was very nervous, but I think it was a very good wall. <laughs> good. What was the production that made you want to pursue Peter? Was it playing the wall? No, I remember another time in summer school that we were doing a production of Hansel and Gretel. And I remember that they cast Hansel and Gretel exactly what you'd think Hansel and Gretel looked like. Ramsey. I don't remember her first name, but I remember her last name was Ramsey. And and they were both very blonde and very cute. And I remember thinking, oh my God, they're so awful. If they would just let me do this, I could tell them how to do this better. And that's the first time that I remember thinking, oh, I have ideas about how this should be done. I really want to do this. Tell me what it is that you do. I, you're an actor and a director. There are 
bunch of different definitions of what an actor is and what a director does and what they do together. But can you define what you do? Wow. Okay. Define what I do. Well, I can tell you what I want to do, what I try to do, and how close I get. That's anybody's guess. But I feel like my job as part of a collaborative team is to take whatever is given to me, the art that the playwright has created, and then my job is to work in collaboration with my fellow actors and director and the rest of the the team to figure out how to tell this story. And then my very specific job is to filter those words, that character through kind of my own Brita filter. And so it kind of goes through me as a Brita and out comes whatever I'm able to offer up for all of us in that game, in that process. And so, you know, different things change it. Like right now I'm I'm working on a on a remount of Iphigenia Aulis and there are a couple of new actors on the team. And it's been interesting because it does definitely change what we're doing. Plus having the four years later, that experience that's been living with me for four years, it's really changed what the product is going to be. So my Brita filter is actually different than it was four years ago. So it's been really fun to look at it again through different different eyes because I'm a different person than I was in many ways four years ago. Definitely older. And you wouldn't think that four years makes that much of a difference, but we're all finding, we've all been talking, those of us who've, who've been with the production have been talking about how different it is this time through. So it's been really interesting. That's really cool. Yeah, it's been fun. As a professor, you know how important education is. Um, how can you say that your education helped shape the artist that you are today? Oh my gosh, I had really great teachers. In fact, uh, I was in California a couple of weeks ago where I grew up, and I, I have a professor friend, Terry Miller, that I, that I always keep in contact with. And he retired some years ago, and he's come out to Chicago and, and other places to come see my work. And I think about things that he taught me and things that he said that really impact me today. And the same is true for some of my other teachers in undergrad, Brad Myers and Kathleen McKinley. And then I think about graduate school and Tom Mitchell was a professor in graduate school that the things that I was learning in his class really, really are the foundation, were the foundation and continue to be the foundation of the work that I do now and really learned a very strict work ethic from these people, bringing bringing the work ethic really that my parents taught me into the discipline of the arts and, and of my particular art. And those lessons stay with me. And sometimes I hear myself saying things to my students and I'm thinking, oh wow, I just channeled Brad Myers right now. Or oh, <laughs> I just said a Tom Mitchell thing. So those things live on and I pass them on to, to my students. Um, and they will take you know whatever is valuable for them and leave whatever's not valuable. And I'm hoping that they carry on some of those things. I hope. But I think another thing that really helped me were the really difficult moments in school. Some lessons that I learned 
that were really difficult about getting along with difficult personalities or maybe people that I didn't trust or people that were not very reliable. And at the time, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, how will I survive? But I remember later when I would face difficulties or difficult situations in the professional world, I would think, well, I've survived so-and-so, so I know that I can survive this. <laughs> and for a long time, that was really the key. I think there was only one time when I was facing some pretty horrific sexual harassment in a professional setting that I wasn't prepared for that. But everything else, I felt like, okay, I, 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 can, I can deal with this because I survived that back in school. So even though I don't think that was meant to be a lesson, I see that it was really a lesson. And I see how life gives you these opportunities to learn things. It's always an opportunity to learn something. And you have a choice as to whether you're going to look at it as an opportunity to learn and grow, or are you going to look at it as something that's just completely an obstacle and hold you back. So even when it's really bad, <laughs> you can look at it and go, yeah, but... What am I learning here about how to get through life? This is kind of like asking a parent to pick your favorite child, but could you talk about a show that you felt was very, very important to you? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Well, uh, I think there have been a, a, a few different ones for different reasons. My first show in Chicago was with Teatro Vista. It was a show called Santos and Santos by Octavio Solis. And that was really important because it was the first time in my life that I met other Latinos who were like me, who were theater artists. I had never had that experience before. All through school, I was always the only ones. Uh, very often it would be me and an African-American or one or two African-Americans. And when I met this group of people, the original Teatro Vista company members, I was so excited and so happy and so exhilarated that I did not, I could not sleep that whole first week of rehearsal. I remember it was like, it was like the night before when your parents tell you you're going to Disneyland and then, and you can't sleep that night or the night before Christmas and you're just so excited. It was like that because I had never experienced it before. I didn't even know it was possible. I was just so happy and relieved and grateful and excited and I felt the same way when I read that play because all through school, I never got to read that sort of thing. And I remember asking for an independent study with Peter Graves, whom I loved. And, and I said, I, I really need to read Latino playwrights. And so we were reading, you know, Maria Irene Furness and uh, Luis Valdez and, and just uh, a lot of different playwrights. But I had never met a whole team of people who were Latinos. It's kind of sad when you think about it, but... I remember thinking right then and there, this is it. This is my team. These are my people. How do we together tell more of these kinds of stories? I have found my home. And I remember thinking I have a choice because I wanted to do a lot of classical theater. That's really what I loved doing. And I remember thinking, okay, my choice is, do I go at it alone by myself and just try to be a classical actor and try to change people's minds and get into places where, you know, we don't normally see people who look like me? Or do I join this group and see what together we can do? And I'm much better as a team player, I think. I think I'm, I'm just more geared toward team playing. So that's what I wanted to do. 
So that's what I did. And I really feel like it was with that group of people and, you know, we weren't getting a whole lot of work, so we were making our own opportunities. We rolled up our sleeves and said, okay, what do we do to give ourselves opportunities? And that was really exciting and it felt very important. That mission overlapped with my personal mission, which was to find ways to tell more stories in the voices of my people. Why wasn't I seeing those stories on stage? And so it all fit together. It was a really good marriage of all of that. And it's really great to see more theater companies, you know, Teatro Urbano and Teatro Vision and just different companies that have come up and they are creating opportunities for themselves as well. And that's really, really important. So it gives me a lot of hope to see young Latinos. And anytime somebody says to me, you know, I'd like to have coffee with you or I'd like to meet with you or, or whatever, I will work really hard to find the time to do it because I really needed that. And I didn't really have it. And so I know how much just a simple conversation can encourage somebody to keep going. Did I answer your question? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you okay. talked about the first production that was very important to you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then right now, I, I think I mentioned I'm doing, a, I've been playing Clytemnestra for, this is my fourth year, which is fun because the first time I played a Clytemnestra-like role was Luis Alfaro's Clytemnestra in La Electricidad. And now I'm doing... The Greeks, straight up Euripides, Sophocles, and Aeschylus, and I've been doing that for four years. And this year, uh, right now, I'm in rehearsals for the remount of Iphigenia at Aulis, which we're doing at the Getty Villa or Via in um, in California, which is exciting for me because I grew up in California, so a lot of my family get to to go see that. And it's just really great to be doing classical theater, to be doing the Greeks. It's something I always wanted to do, and it took me over 20 years to finally get the opportunity. But I'm I just really love doing it. So it's been fun to play Luis's Clytemnestra and now do the Clytemnestra of the Greek tragedians. So that's really fun. What draws you to Greek tragedies? And... I just, I don't know. I think it's really amazing to be doing plays that were written before the Bible was written. There's something about that. And then reading those stories and seeing how, you know, they're talking about war and the horrors of war and we're still doing that now. I mean, the commentary on the human condition still applies. And, and when you think about the Greek festivals, that they were a combination of a high mass and a rock concert and, you know, a, a debate. And they, they were a combination of all of those things. And the men coming together, thousands of men coming together to watch these events and talk about what does that mean for us? That is fascinating, and I feel like that's what we need to be doing, especially right now, given where we are on the political landscape. We need to be having these events and then talking about them and figuring out, yeah, what does that mean for us? What does that mean for me as an American, as a human, as a person in this country, in this time, on the globe? What, you know, what, what are the challenges that face us as human beings? And what are we going to do about them? Does your fondness for the Greek affinity to question societal impacts and our responsibilities to society, do you think that affects your art? 
Yeah, I do. I feel like it influences, impacts my art in that it does make me think about what do I choose to do? What choices do I make in terms of what art do I want to be doing? And I need to be asking myself, is this a piece of art that asks good, healthy questions? Or is this a piece of art that is perpetuating some kind of stereotype? And sometimes then the question is, if it's the latter, then do I need to be in the room to present a different perspective, a different voice? Or should I not be in the room at all as a way of saying I don't want to be a part of that? And sometimes that's a hard question to answer. But it is one that I'm constantly asking myself. And then let's say that you are in the room and that you are the only voice saying, uh, excuse me, that seems a little stereotypical, or, you know, do you realize what you're saying there? That can be incredibly exhausting because then you got to every morning put on your armor and go into the room and be the person who asks the questions and be ready for the answers that are not always the answers that you hope for. And then you got to come home and recover from the exhaustion of that day. And sometimes I think, hmm, I don't have the strength for that today. And sometimes I think, "Mm, I don't have the strength for that today, but it doesn't really matter, does it? Because it's got to be said. Except that then I just keep remembering Linda Spaulding saying, you have everything you need inside. (laughs) You know what I mean? So then I'm like, okay. to jump in here for a little bit of Pajaritos business. First, we would like to thank Mayama Sebastián for the use of our theme song, La Fiesta, from the album El Hambre. Second, we would like to thank the Alliance for Latinx Theater Artists of Chicago, of which Pajaritos is an offshoot. ALTA is an organization dedicated to the community of Latinx theater artists. By providing opportunities to find employment, events to foster community, and resources for self-improvement and self-care, Alta has proven to be an organization for the people, by the people. If you are a Latinx theater artist and not yet a member, do not wait. Visit us at altachicago.org, click on membership, and check out all the benefits of becoming a member. From there, becoming a member seems so enticing, how could you refuse? And if you are or aren't a Latinx theater artist, but want your finger on the pulse of Chicago Latinx theater, like us on Facebook, and sign up for our monthly newsletter at altachicago.org. And finally, we would like to thank you, our audience. You have already shown your support for the podcast, and I'm blown away. I personally have received messages of thanks and praise, saying that this podcast is something they've been hoping for for a long time. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Your support means the world to me. If I can just ask one small favor, help us spread the word. Please subscribe to us on iTunes, review our show, give us feedback or criticisms or praises or even tell us who you want to hear interviewed on the show and if you could please tell at least one friend about us we don't pay for advertising at all so if every one of our listeners tells at least one friend then we'll be able to expand our community and the chicago latinx theater world and really that's the whole goal of this podcast At the end of every episode, we like to give the guests an opportunity to share something they think the audience needs to hear. Today, Sandra has shared some advice that has helped her throughout her experience. We hope you find it just as true and helpful as we did. 
So one of the best pieces of advice I ever got, I was in undergrad and I was doing a show and I remember being so concerned about what all of my professors thought. And one of my professors, still a good friend, Terry Miller, he took me aside and he said, listen, I think the best thing that you can do in your life as an artist is to pick two, maybe three people whose opinion you trust. Ask them for their honest opinion about your work and forget everyone and everything else. Because otherwise, you're going to be batted around by so many different opinions. But really, you know, I think sometimes we want everyone to like us. We want everyone to like our work. But that is impossible. It is impossible for everyone to like you. It is impossible for everyone to like all your decisions, all your choices, all your work. It's just impossible. So let it go. Choose the few people that are helpful and that you trust, listen to them, and then at the end of the day, check in with your own gut, your own instinct. And if that instinct isn't strong yet, then you need to take the time to self-reflect and to develop that muscle so that it is strong, so that you aren't at the mercy of what everyone else thinks about you. Because if that's where you are, it's gonna be a really long, ugly road. Adentro no lo está, afuera está, adentro no lo está, afuera está, adentro. Adentro.